Well, good morning, Waters Church. How are we doing today? How many of you are enjoying fake winter? I'm enjoying fake winter. Come on, this precipitation today, this could be six inches of snow. I love this rain. Praise you, Jesus, for the rain. Nobody has to plow the rain. It is good to see all of you. I'm back from Israel. I was at the Holy Land, and it was amazing. I want to bring some of you back with me. How does that sound? Everybody in? Let's see if we can find a bus that'll seat 400 people. Amen. Well, it is good to see all of you again. I always miss being home, and I really enjoyed it. And if you wanted to know any more about the uh, trip, I've been blogging it on the, on the blog at, at our website, waterschurch.org, or you can go to timhatchlive.com, and you can read all about it all six days today. Between the services, I'll post day seven. Kind of an important day to talk about the resurrection. So that's today at timhatchlive.com. Check it out. I encourage you to see it. I hope it whets your appetite for one day going yourself, if you haven't already been. It really is an amazing experience. But today we're going to talk about money. And we're going to start a new series called In God We Trust because it's on our bills, but it's not many times on our hearts. And we need to talk about money in the church because Jesus talked a lot about money. These preachers who say, I don't talk about money, I don't want to offend the people. Uh, they haven't read Jesus then. Jesus talked about money continually. He talked about money three times as much as any other topic in the Gospels. Jesus warned about the sin of greed three times more than the sin of adultery. Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against many forms of greed. He didn't say many forms of adultery or many forms of lust. He said greed. He knew that there would be always this opponent for the affections of our hearts against God and it wouldn't be the devil, it would be money. Jesus said it like this, you cannot serve both God and what? Money, isn't it amazing that he says money there? He doesn't say Satan, he doesn't say the devil, because Jesus knows not many people actually worship the devil, just a few Fruit Loops out there worship the devil. You know what I'm talking about? They don't, they're, they're weirdos. Nobody really worships the devil. But money can have a, a stranglehold on our lives. And so today we start in God We Trust Part 1. If you've got your notes, take it. Uh, if you've got your bulletins, take them out. And in the bulletins, there are two pages. I want you to first just take this one out. This is the note page that I want you to fill in the blanks as we go along. And if you have a Bible or you have a smartphone app with the Bible on it, I want you to head over to Proverbs chapter three and we'll get there in just a moment. And for all the newcomers in the church today, welcome to Waters Church. We hope that today your first time is not your last time, but that you come on back and make Waters Church your home church. And everybody who comes regularly said? Amen. Amen. And aren't you first timers so excited that you finally got yourself to church and the preacher's talking about money. <laughs> Every year we do one series about money because money's going to have this stranglehold on our lives if we don't get back to what God says about money. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables are about money. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are about money. Jesus spoke about money 38% of the time. And so we've got to talk about it because it's going to have, it's going to create issues for our lives. Today's message at the top of your notes, you see it, the title of the message, moving from stressed to blessed. 
I want you to move from stressed about money. I want you to get out of this locale, this, this location in your heart where you are constantly stressing about money. This is a stressful topic for some of you. This is why some people don't want to hear about it in church because it's like I come to church to get away from my stresses and now you're talking about one of the many main sources of my stresses. But this is not what God wants for you. You want to hear what he has to say so you can move out of stress and into blessed. Can I get a good amen from somebody? So today this is for you, it's for your good, and Jesus, and God the Father, they want something for you. They don't need something from you. And if you have that perspective about money, I guarantee you, you'll be able to hear a lot more about what God has to say. 500 verses in the Bible deal with prayer. 500 verses in the Bible deal with faith. 2,000 verses in the Bible deal with money. I want you to move from stressed to blessed. Now, in spite of our recent economic upturn, the statistics still show that money is still a stressful issue for most Americans. 72% reported in a recent survey that in spite of the economic good news, they're still stressed about money regularly. 22% of Americans say they are overtly stressed about money, extremely stressed about money, in spite of an economy that we keep hearing about is so good. I actually read a statistic, actually not a statistic, but a story about the Wall Street Journal put out this story, the, the Wall Street Journal put out this story about the fact that major companies in America are actually paying their employees to get their financial lives in order. I want you to hear that again. Major companies in our country are paying their employees to get their financial lives in order because they see the stress level in their employees. They said, no, stress is not good for our employees. It, it limits productivity. It affects their health and all that kind of stuff. And so we need these people to get their, their financial lives in order. Now, I bet you're thinking about this right now because this is the first thought that I had when I read the article. I thought, well, why don't those companies just what? Pay them more money. And this is why they don't just pay them more money, because these companies have figured out that it doesn't matter the amount that people make. You can pay them more money, and they'll just spend more money and waste more money. In other words, it's like water always rising to the level of, of what it should be. That's how we treat our spending. We just rise to the level of whatever it is, and we get into this comfort level of how much we spend in proportion to our income. And these companies have realized something, and I want you to realize something, and it's the first blanks in your note. I want you to write it down. Finances are not about the amount you make, but about the approach you take. Write that down. Your finances are never about the amount you make, but they are always about the approach you take. So a book came out recently. It was called The Day America Told the Truth. The Day America Told the Truth. It's actually a composite of the spiritual condition of our country, and I got to tell you, it's not good. And they asked some questions to figure out where are people socially and financially and emotionally and morally. One of the questions in the book was, what would you do for $10 million? An anonymous survey. They gave them some options. And then they took the percentages of the options and they reported it in the book. The day America told the truth. What would you do ooh, ooh, for $10 million? 
Anybody remember the Klondike bar commercial? Okay, just forget that I did that. All right, here's the results of the survey. 25% of Americans said that they would abandon their entire families for $10 million. Of course, half of those people were 16-year-olds, so they don't count. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just playing around. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week. 16% said they would give up their U.S. citizenship. Another 16% said they would leave their spouse. 10% said they would withhold testimony to let a murderer go free for $10 million. Check this one out. 7% said they would murder a total stranger. Watch your back. 4% said they would have a sex change. Of course, now those same 4% are paying for the sex change. But nonetheless, uh, 3% said that they would give up their kids for adoption. Now, how many parents know that if you get that question at just the wrong time, come on, I mean, sometimes, you know, let's just be honest, like, maybe they had a bad moment, I don't know. Money's going to have a hold on your life if you let it. And it doesn't matter about the amount of money that you make. You're always going to get to that point where you're stressed. We need to get our financial houses in order because our financial house can affect the whole of our house. The statistics every year come out that divorce, divorces happen for two reasons primarily, but infidelity, and second on the list is money. Money arguments. My wife and I have increasingly made money every single year of our lives, and the arguments are still there. And you gotta settle this out. You gotta settle this out in your marital life. You gotta sell this out with your kids, and you gotta put proper perspective in God's word. You gotta inject God's truth into your financial life, or your financial life will sell you on lies that will hold you captive to the enemy's purposes. And God wants you free from the love of money and the stresses of money and the bondages of money. No man can serve two masters. You're either serving God or you're serving money. And I'm telling you, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you blessed, not stressed. Can I get a good amen? So let's read the Bible, shall we? Let's see what God says. Proverbs chapter 3, would you stand with me as we read from this passage of Scripture? I love this verse, uh, uh, this verse of Scripture, this passage. And this today, you know, every series that we do, you have to understand, every series of messages that we do is really one whole sermon, and part one is just the introduction. <laughs> so today is just part one, the introduction of this topic. Don't miss the next few weeks because you're going to want to see where we go from here. But we're building a foundation. And here's the foundation we need. We need wisdom when it comes to money. Proverbs is about wisdom, and here's what the wise author of Proverbs says to us. Verse 1 of chapter 3. My son, or you could say my daughter. My son or daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace. Somebody say peace. They will add to you. Look at, look at what it says there, the very first promise of this passage. Long life. How many of you are interested in having long life? You see, I'm glad that not many hands went up because I don't know if I want a long life. I don't know if I want a long life if I don't got a peaceful life. How many are with me on that one? Give me a long life if it's filled with peace. Well, that's the promise of this verse. Long life with peace. Verse 3. Let not, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Then this is a coffee cup verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Interesting little note. The King James Version of verse 8 says, it will be healing to your navel. I didn't know my belly button needed healing, but evidently the, the Lord says it does. Honor the Lord, verse 9. Honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Honor the Lord with what? With your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son or daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him or her whom he loves as a father the child in whom he delights. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. I pray, God, that we will learn how to take the right approach to this very challenging and, in many respects, sensitive topic. I pray, God, that we will have ears to hear, that we will learn how to be listeners to what you have to say, not what everybody else has to say. First, God, we want to hear from you. I pray for every heart here. Let it be opened now, not resistant, opened to the good word of God, that they will not hear it as though it's the word of men, but it is the word of God. Father, we pray this every time we're together, and I pray it today. May we see Jesus in him only. In his name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. So finances are not about the amount you make, but about the approach you take. What approach are you taking? The reason why we have so many, so many problems with finances is because many of us are taking the cues of our country when it comes to money. And it starts at the top, doesn't it? It starts at the top. Like, we're Americans. How does America spend money? Poorly. <laughs> Too much. They, they, they don't know. Our government does not know how to handle the money they take from us. And everybody said, hey, man, come on. A lot of us are taking our cues from the federal government because the government has these things called printing machines. When they run out of money, they can just create a new batch, but that, that paper has to have something backed, backing it. That paper has to be worth something. It's supposed to be legal tender for something, and the valuation of the dollar fluctuates so greatly because we don't know how to spend money as a government. I actually wanted to th do this for a second because this is where some of you are. Uh, we, we, take our, we take our spending and financial cues from the government simply when we spend way more than we bring in because this is what our government does every single year. So the Wall Street Journal put out this graphic about how we spend, if the average American family spent money the way the government did, this is what it would look like. And so I want to put it up on the screen. I want you to see this. This is crazy. The average American income today is $52,000 a year. $52,000 a year. That's the average, okay? So you might be below, you might be above, but that's the average. If you spend money like the federal government, you would spend $64,000 a year. That is a $12,000 overage of spending. This is the government, again, just proportionately. 
which would mean you would put $12,000 every year onto a credit card, and this is on top of the already 300 and, what does it say there? $312,000 you would already be in debt. I'm proud to be an American, where at least I'm not debt free. Like, we've got to watch ourselves here because if we follow the cues of our government, we will end up scorched. We, none of us here has a printing machine at home. Anybody have one? If you do, let us know. We need it for the church. God bless you. We don't, we aren't able to print our own money. And so I've got six questions for you so you can change your approach. And here's, here's another reason why we need to talk about this with you people. I know I'm talking to the right people about this because here's the deal about Massachusetts. All you Massachusetts people, Rhode Islanders is kind of the same for you, but Massachusetts, sixth highest grossing income state in the country per capita. So per household, we are sixth of the nation's states in terms of our income level. This is a very wealthy state. But on the generosity scale, we are 46th. Now that means, Massachusetts Christian, that we have got to learn how to do life God's way financially because our God is a giver. He is not a keeper and he is not a withholder. He's generous. Somebody say generous. He loves to give. And if we're going to call ourselves his children, we better start learning how to act like our father. We are not Massachusetts citizens before we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I don't care what your neighbors think about this message. I don't care what your, your, your schoolmates think about this message. I don't care what your mom and dad think about this message. I care what God says about you and what God says about the finances he's entrusted in you. Stop listening to every other voice and listen to the voice of God. Six questions and then we're done. Number one. I want you to write it down. Do I believe my Father in heaven wants to bless my life? Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that, you'll never do money God's way. You'll always think he's out to get you. Your Father in heaven loves you. Some people see God as the cosmic killjoy that just wants to take away your pleasures. He's just mad at you whenever you're having fun. And his real desire for you is to be dead broke. Like some people believe that's what God wants. I don't know where they get this message because I look at the Bible and I see that many of God's greatest heroes in the Old Testament and New Testament were very wealthy people. They just knew how to handle their wealth and honor God with it. Abraham starts there, wealthy. You could back up to Noah. He built a huge stinking boat. People with boats got money. <laughs> he built a boat for enough animals, the whole world was saved. Dude had coin. <laughs> Abraham had an army of 318 men. An army, he had an army. I don't have an army. <laughs> Anybody got a few soldiers sitting around at home just waiting to go to to rescue your nephew Lot just in case he messes up his life. I don't have a soldier. You got a soldier. David was rich. Solomon was wealthy. So wealthy, in fact, it went to his head. And that was the collapse of the, of the kingdom right there because he got too wealthy. And he forgot that God was the source of blessings. 
And so I want to challenge you to remember this. God loves you. The scripture says, my son or daughter, don't forget my teaching. God not just loves you, he wants to teach you. He wants to speak to you about money. And then he says, let, don't let your, don't, uh, but let your, let my commandments stay in your heart. And this is what he says, length of days they will add. You'll have a long, peaceful life when you remember to listen to your father. I have three children and I have to constantly remember them, remind them that I am their source. I brought them into this world and I could take them out. Amen. No. My third son, my third child, second son, third child, six years old, from birth, he's had this little half teddy bear, half blanket comfort item. You know how people have blankies and all that kind of stuff? Well, he has baby. He's calling it, he calls it baby. This is his baby. I want to put it up on the screen. This is a picture of his baby. <laughs> Loves that thing. I hate that thing. <laughs> if we can't find that thing, he can't go to sleep. If he can't find that thing, we can't leave the house with Jake. He needs baby. He is emotionally attached. Someday he will be visiting a counselor paying $250 a session to detach himself from baby. I'm telling you right now, he needs help. So I bring him to Starbucks yesterday, and I bring him to the place, and I get him a haircut, and I bring him to Starbucks because he was a good boy for the haircut, and so he looks very handsome. And uh, we get in the car after getting the cake pop for Jake. How many know on the eighth day God created cake pops? Hallelujah. And uh, he's loving his cake pop, and I'm thinking, are you thankful, Jake, that you got a cake pop? And, he goes, and I said, do you love your daddy? He goes, yeah. He says, I, I know what my life's all about, Dad. I said, oh, yeah? Let me hear this. This should be good. He says, God first. Yeah, my response exactly. I'm like, oh, warms my heart. And then he says, baby second. <laughs> I was seventh on the list. <laughs> he wasn't even going to get to me except I asked, where am I? Seventh. I said, I'll pull this car over right now and we'll see how you feel about seventh. <laughs> After some proper doctrination he came to the conclusion that the cake pop in his hand and the haircut on his head were the direct result of a father who loves him and I climbed the ladder quickly from seventh to third right behind mommy as it should be but this is what our problem is I want to ask you something pay attention it's gonna sound funny what's your baby and who's your daddy Come on, that was pretty good right there. <laughs> I didn't even say that last night. That just came out right now. What's your baby? Your skiing hobby, your, your musical hobby, your motorcycle, your leather jacket, your clothes, your shoes that you buy every single week and you don't even wear. What's your baby? Your 401k, your retirement plan, your significant other. And if some of you were to be honest, you'd say you actually tithe to your significant other. You spend that much money on them. Your looks, what is it? Your house, your children? Because they're not really your baby, they're God's babies. What's your baby? And we gotta realize that our baby is not our source. Our baby can't bless us. We are called to own possessions, but I find that many people are owned by their possessions. Who's your daddy? 
Your daddy is in heaven and he loves you. Listen to him. Let him speak to you. Let him say things that may be uncomfortable for you, but you know that he's doing it because he loves you. Parents, you get this, don't you? You know this is true. Every time you punish your child, you tell them, I'm doing this. Hopefully you tell them, I'm doing this. Why? I love you. I care about the person you're becoming. So does your father in heaven. Do you believe it? He doesn't want to take from you. He needs nothing from you. He wants something for you. But there are principles about your finances that will change you and support you. Number two question, am I faithful? Am I faithful? Look what it says in verse three. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. In other words, and I love how it's phrased there, don't let faithfulness leave you. Because this, the Proverbs writer is saying, I believe this will be a temptation for you for as long as you live. To, to say, I don't need to be faithful to this anymore. I don't need to be loyal. And I want you to hear something. In the economy of heaven, faithfulness is sky high. Faithfulness, what does that mean? Sticking with things, being trustworthy. Some of your lives have been radically altered and hurt and devastated because somebody was not faithful and trustworthy to you. And here's why God says faithfulness is so important that scriptures actually say, great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness reaches to the heavens, sky high. God honors faithfulness. Say those three words with me, one, two, three. God honors faithfulness. And do you know when you're in the faithfulness school, the faithfulness school that God gives you? I'll tell you when. Whenever you're dealing with something very small. When you have little, consider yourselves in God's school of faithfulness. He's putting you to the test. Not tempting you, he doesn't tempt, but he does test. And when you get something small, like a small income or a small opportunity, you have to learn this. You're in the school of faithfulness. And God is watching to see what you'll do. This is what he does in heaven. He said, let me just see if there's anybody in the Attleboro area that I can significantly bless to accomplish my purposes. And he finds somebody and he says, okay, here's one I want to try. And he gives them a little bit of income and a little bit of opportunity. And then he watches. And you say, I thought, I thought God knows the end from the beginning. He knows my heart. No, no, no. I know he knows your heart, but he wants you to see your heart too. And so he tests you and he says, okay, will they be faithful with that little you say, Pastor, where do you get this? Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus says this. He that is faithful with little will also be what? Faithful with much. And he who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. In other words, it's never about the amount. It's about your faithfulness. What's your faithfulness level? Can you, can you, can you be faithful to that small amount of income? Because here's what I hear from people. I can't give money. I can't tithe. I can't do that. I don't have enough money. And here's what they also say. When I make more money, then I will give more money. And that will never happen. It won't happen because here's what I found out about the tithe. For me personally, the tithe. When you make more money, the tithe becomes, guess what? 
more money. <laughs> because the tithe in Hebrew is one-tenth. And so it's just proportional to your income. And this is what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, in accordance with your income, give. In accordance with your income. So proportionally to the income, give money. And so if you can't do it when you have little, you will never do it when you have much. Stop making excuses and start passing the faithfulness test. God will honor it. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, so you will find favor and good success. Notice where you will find favor and good success. In the sight of two beings. Who? God and man. Which I love because this passage tells us this. That contrary to popular belief, it is possible to please and live with favor before God and your fellow man. No. Serving Jesus doesn't mean that everybody's going to hate you all the time. In fact, doing life God's way will be an opportunity for you to gain favor in the eyes of your employers, customers, administrators, principals, whatever. Because here's what, here's what employers love. They love faithfulness. They love people taking serious their little opportunities. And they love, they love employ. Here, here, this might be, like, this sounds so rudimentary, but it needs to be said. Do you know what employers love? They love seeing their employees show up on time. That's just called faithfulness. They love seeing their employees honoring the company's principles, regardless of how they feel about it. They love seeing employees speak respectfully about not only the company, but everybody that works in the company. What kind of people, let me just ask you, what kind of people show up on time, do their job really, really well, and don't talk badly about anybody else in the company, but rather honors them? Do you know what kind of person does that? A Jesus-following person. Because that's what he does for us. He doesn't talk badly about you. He showed up right on time for you, didn't he? In the fullness of time, God sent his son. Right at the right moment, Jesus died and three days later was raised to life. And he's always on time in our lives if we look back over the course of our existence. There may have been dark seasons. There may have been valleys of the shadow of death. But God always came through in the end. Am I talking to anybody who knows that God does end up coming through? Right when you need them. Are you faithful? Because God honors faithfulness. And I'm telling you something. I was hired as a youth pastor 20 years ago, making $100 a week. I tithed on that $100 a week. I had to work at another job, too, part-time, and I tithed on that income. And every year, every single year, I've seen the income level grow up and the giving level goes up because that's what God wants to do. He wants to empower giving in your life, and he will bless you as you honor him faithfully. Number three. Am I teachable? This is a big question because so many people today, when it comes to money, refuse to be taught anything. And this is why their lives are so jacked up financially. No one can tell you anything. There might be people even here right now. You're saying, I knew it. I knew he was going to talk about tithing. I knew it. And your, your, your nose has just steadily elevated up into the air. How, how dare you? Bring it back down, bring it back down, and become teachable. Let God speak to you. Let God speak to you, because I'm not going to share anything that God doesn't say. 
And don't take it as the word of men, take it as the word of God. Here's the passage of scripture, here's the coffee cup verse. Trust in the Lord in all your ways, with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, in all your ways. I looked up the Hebrew meaning of the word all. It means all. <laughs> Who would have thought? In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, when you get that job, you say, God, how do you want me to do this job? When you meet that person who might be a dating partner, possible, you say, God, how do you want me to treat them? When you get that bonus, when you get that tax return, God, this is yours. I acknowledge you right now. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and be teachable. Here's the, the passage in the message translation, and I love the message verse version here. It says this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice. Listen for God's voice. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Because I can say it, but can you hear it? I can say it, are you listening to it? Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. The problem with a lot of people is that they think they know more than they really do. Have you ever, have you ever met a person that thinks they know more than they really do? Like, if you haven't met one, you are the one in your life. Because <laughs> the scripture says this. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2, it says, If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. <laughs> I love that passage. You don't know as much as you think you know. This is why God gives you a spouse or a mother or a father or an advisor or a mentor and a pastor. So that you can be reminded you don't know as much as you think you know. If there's one thing that actually leads us to thinking we know more than we actually do, it is success. Success can be a killer. Because we get a little bit of success, we start to make a little bit of money, we start to take off in our job, we get our lives rolling, and then suddenly we think we know everything. Oh, I know about that. And now we're giving advice. You know how you're one of the main problem people of the, person, the kind of person that thinks they know more than they actually know? You can't shut up. And you think everybody needs your opinion. And you, you hear of somebody's problems, and here's what you say. You immediately think, I know the solution. You've talked to them for five seconds. You know the solution. You need to be teachable yourself. Till the day you die, you need to be teachable. To let God speak to you and change you. To this day, God's speaking to me, changing me, challenging me, making sure that I know I do not know as much as I think I know. It's a blessing. Because I grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding and my life actually becomes better and lasts longer. I think about Steve Jobs, who was so successful. Steve Jobs. Everybody in this room right now, you have a phone, probably, in your pocket or pocketbook that is because of Steve Jobs. Because all the other companies just ripped it off of Apple. No, seriously, that's what happened. He came up with that. Now, isn't it funny how because we have these phones now, we think we're all brilliant? <laughs> Why? Because we got Google. Google will tell me what to do with my money. I don't need to listen to you. No, Google doesn't love you. God loves you. Okay, so I think about Steve Jobs, though. His life mantra and Apple's mantra was what? Two-word mantra. Does anybody know what it was? Think of the apple with the little rainbow in it. What's next to it? Think different. That's what his mantra in life was. Do it differently. He was so successful, it went straight to his head. When he got cancer, friends, relatives, close associates came to him and said, Steve, go to the doctors. Follow the conventional approach. He said, no. 
think different. And he went to holistic, I was reading about this as we went to holistic approaches, saw a Hindu priest, tried to meditate it out of his body, do all these kind of things, herbs and supplements. He died. Everybody who, everybody who knew him medically said if he had just followed the regular protocol, he would have lived. I wish he had listened because I loved that man. I thank God for that man. I know he wasn't a Christian, but he was a blessing to the, to the world and his technology and developments. He died because he didn't listen. He, didn't be, he let success cause him to be unteachable. Don't let that happen to you. This is what the Word of God is constantly reminding us. You do not know as you ought to know. So you need to have a heart that is open to new ideas and challenging, us, challenging ideas that may, may challenge and upend your assumptions about how life should go be teachable. Number four, am I aware that I'm a fool? <laughs> so this is like, you know, in combination with the last point, but are you aware that you are a fool? This is the paradox of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is about what? Wisdom. And yet, throughout the book of Proverbs, it keeps telling us to consider ourselves not wise. Isn't that funny? Here's the book. Here's wisdom. Here's how you get wisdom. Okay, don't think you're wise. Hmm? Yeah. Look what it says in, in, the very, in the verse we read, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh or navels, whichever part of you needs healing, and refreshment to your bones. I don't know about you. I want healing in my body. And, and, and here's what I see our country doing. You are listening to everybody else. You get up in the morning and listen to Good Morning America, the Today Show. Recent studies have shown... That butter is actually good for you. You wake up six months later. Recent studies have shown that butter will kill you. <laughs> like every, every day, it's like a new thing. Here, here's, I don't mind you listen to other people, but before you listen to what they say, why don't you check it against what God says? Refreshment, healing comes from the one who made you. God programmed you. God wired you. God knows you. He understands you. And he thinks he knows how to you should operate. And so don't think you're wise in your own eyes. In other words, consider yourself foolish in many respects. I have one more blank. I want you to fill it in. Um, if you don't think you're a fool, you're a fool. <laughs> if you don't think you're a fool, you're a fool. Because the scriptures are telling you. The scriptures are telling you. If you want to grow in wisdom, don't consider yourself wise. That's how you become teachable. That's how you become moldable. And, and this is the part, part of the process that leads us to a life that God wants for us. Do you know that the word, um, the word um, humility and humor have the same root? Humility and humor have the same root. Do you know what, do you know what else has the same root as humility and humor? You know what other word? Human. You know what that tells me? The best way to be human is to not take yourself so stinking seriously and to be able to laugh at yourself. Can you do that? Can you? This is why I love to make you laugh at this church, because I want you to lighten up. When I was a young preacher, I was so hard on people. My messages were basically like, get right with God. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> I like to make you laugh. Because I've gotten older. 
And I've got kids and a wife that remind me to not take myself so seriously. And I'll tell you, it's so freeing. It's so freeing to just look at yourself and say, And if you look back on your life, look back on your life. I want you to think about this for one second. Just three, no, five seconds. Give it a five-second thought. Five-second thought of you 10 years ago. <laughs> I was so stupid. I was such an idiot. Yes, and your 10 years from now person is going to think you currently are an idiot. <laughs> Learn to laugh at yourself. It's the best way to be human. The worst way to be human is to take pride in yourself. The fools boast of their pride. The godly laugh at their foolishness so that they can let God teach them. Five, is God first? This is a big one when it comes to money. Because you can say that God is first all you want. But the rubber hits the road in your checking account ledger. I can tell you what's first in your life when I look at your finances. I can tell you. What's your baby and who's your daddy? What do you spend the most on? And then what do you spend on first? Now here's the word of God for you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. In the Old Testament, they had to take their firstborn lambs, offer it to God, the firstborn. They weren't sure there was going to be a secondborn. It's called faith. In the, first, in the Old Testament, they had to offer their first grains to God. They weren't sure there was going to be much grain enough left over. And we aren't talking about dollar bills. We're talking about food for them. Am I going to starve? Trust God. Trust God. Put him first. Now, we talk about this passage all the time in this church. Every year we mention this passage, but it's a true passage, and it's applicable, I believe, for both Testaments. So don't go going all cheapskate on me because you're a New Testament Christian. You don't listen to the Old Testament verses anymore. Yes, you do. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the what? Test. I thought God didn't want us to put him to the test. No, no, no. Financially, he wants us to test him. And he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you cannot contain it, and I will rebuke the devourer. I will rebuke, verse 11 says, I will rebuke the devourer so that you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine of your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. I love the fact that God says, I'll tell the things that want to eat you up financially to get lost. Do you understand that God has the power to do that? He could tell those devourers in your life, get away from them. They honor me. They put me first. Now, I talk to two kinds of people in this church all the time. Two kinds of people. The people who tithe and the people who think they can't. And I've learned this. The only way you will ever tithe is when you do it. The only way you will ever believe that you can is when you do it. And you got to do it first before the bills before the mortgage you got to do it this is what we have done for years in our marriage me and my wife we have done this for years the first thing out of our checking account once the pay comes in back to God 10% on the gross do you know why because God comes before the government in my house as for me and my house we will serve the Lord before the United States government there my God is my source not the government
And we have seen faithfulness and increase and God's favor in so many ways. I think about this church. This church struggled to find property and a building. We needed one like eight years ago. We needed one eight years ago. We couldn't find, we'd go out, we'd look, we'd get disappointed. I'd tell people, oh, we're gonna buy this land. It would fall through. We didn't have the money for it anyway. We were just kind of like being stupid with our finances. And then God challenged me as the pastor of this church in 2013 to start tithing whatever came into our church. I said, God, we're looking for land. I can't start doing that. He said, just do it. And I did it. We did it. We did it as a church. Our income doubled in 12 months. And six months after that first 12 months, we made a call to a real estate agent about this building. The doors were opened, and God made every way possible for us all to be sitting here right now. How? We put him first. And he throws open. I, I need, I, I, some of you need to see it. You, you just need to understand this. There are some doors that are shut tight in your life. And God says, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to put me first financially. And watch that door be thrown open. If you don't want to receive this word, and if you don't like what I'm talking about, you can, you can reject it. But this is for your good. Verse 10 says, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So in your bulletins, I got one more thing for you. I want, to look, want you to look at that in your bulletins. It's called a 90-day tithing challenge. My wife and I are going to do this, and I want our entire church to do this. 90 days tithing. If you're not a tither, for the next 90 days, I want you to do it. I'm asking you to do it. Test God. Test God. The first tenth of your income to the local house of God. We take a tenth of that, by the way, and we give it to church planting and missions works in India and El Salvador and, and Spain and other missions works throughout the world. And I want you to test God in this, and I want you to read. You can read that later. Don't read it now, but you can read that later. If you're already a tither, there's going to be an opportunity on March 17th and 18th, and I want all of us to take part in this, a kingdom builder campaign to do some things in our church regarding parking at this facility, um, we want our campuses to have buildings. Can I get a good amen for that? We want them to have buildings. No more, no more renting from the schools. We've got to get these campuses and buildings. So we've got to raise some money for that. Parking, and we want to uh, pay down some debts, and then we want to start a third campus someday. And so I want you to start thinking about what you can do in the Kingdom Builder campaign above tithes and offerings. But here's my guarantee to you, and this is going to sound funny, but don't laugh. I'm so confident that tithing works and God will be faithful to you that if you get to the end of the 90 days and you do not see more blessing. I said don't laugh. <laughs> if you don't see more blessing, you call the church, you let us know, we will give it all back. It's on video. You can cut and paste this part of the video and send it back to me, all right? I'm serious. I'm that confident. I'm that confident that God is that faithful. Amen. Number six, and lastly, when it comes to money, do I really believe that God, my Father in heaven, wants to bless my life? You say, Pastor, that sounds like the first question. It is. We just added the word really. Because <laughs> here's what I thought. When I went to get to this point of the message, I thought some of you are going to be so chafed, you're not going to want to listen to this. So isn't it ironic that in verse 
9 of Proverbs 3, he says, honor the Lord with the first fruits. Give it to God first. And then two verses later, this is what God says. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. Don't get chafed. Don't get irritated. Why? Because he loves you. He's reproving you financially because he loves you. And listen, don't move for a second. Tithing is not a magic bullet that you pull it and it's over and all financial issues are solved. That's, that's not what we're saying. This, again, this is the introduction. We've got a lot to talk about with money. But this is the start because this is the first thing we're asked to do. And I'm challenging you to do it. Don't reject it. Don't get irritated and mad. It's for your good. God loves you.